0: Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Al.
2: You're truly William Eric Alexander and my friends call me Bill and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV channel 77 and recording and broadcasting live from the Phil Giannetti Motors studio. I finally get to name the studio the Phil Giannetti Motors studio. We'll talk about that later in the program and for those of you that are watching on YouTube. I couldn't see. That's why we had to start again, because my glasses were dirty. I mean, that's really bad. (laughs) I didn't realize how blind I am before I have to read things. I mean, I take them off. I can't see anything. So I had to clean them there briefly. Uh, Luckily, I had something to clean them with on my desk. But anyhow, enough of me rambling on. As you're uh, listening and watching online with yours truly, Bill Alexander, here on Fayette TV Channel 77 and also on WMCK.FM. Uh, Tonight we're going to be talking about a book called The Essence of Perfection, The Historical Quest to Find the Genuine Dates of Christmas and the Resurrection by Robert William Weber. And here is the copy of the book right here, as you can see, beautiful stained glass on the cover right there. And we're going to be talking to him, and it's kind of appropriate that we have him on the program tonight since Easter is this coming Sunday. How are you doing, Robert? Oh, I'm doing great, Bill. And I'm glad to have you on the program tonight. I got the book, started reading it about a week ago, and it is a very interesting read because there's questions that you ask in the book that I would have never thought about before because no one ever thinks about the actual timeline and time in the life of Jesus Christ because we just assume the 25th is Christmas and then Easter is sometime in the spring. But your book actually talks about how it was actually figured out why we're celebrating it at the certain times.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a historian by nature. Um, I'm a teacher, uh, but I'm a history teacher, social studies teacher, so I guess I've always been kind of more interested in kind of dates. And, you know, I think I told you earlier that I, I really couldn't find any books that, that really explained this stuff to me. So I started out like a hobby, and it uh, just kind of grew into the, the point where I thought, you know, this make a this make an interesting book. So that's kind of where I got the idea to do the book.
2: And, and it and, took a long time. And this being your first book, you tackled a really heavy subject that uh as you told me earlier, it took you about fourteen years to write this.
3: Uh that's true. Um it it, it really took me a long time to write it. Uh it started out just kind of like curiosity um um and, and it and the more I got into it, um, it just kind of you know it 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 came to the point where I thought, well, this make a great paper. Uh, then it got to the point where it's like, okay, maybe I need to do a website on this. And then it just got, I just got enough information, and it just was like, I got to write a book. I got to do this. And there really wasn't a book like this, so that's what really got me going into it.
2: So, what is your background that even got you interested in doing it? Like you said, you are a history teacher, but. What type of history do you teach? Uh, I teach social
3: studies, so I've taught a little bit of everything, which if you read the book, um, there's a little bit of everything in here. So I kind of consider myself not really an expert in one area. Uh, But my training kind of helped me in all different kinds of areas. I've taught uh, U.S. history, uh, AP U.S. history. um, All on the high school level, I taught sociology, sociology, uh, I've taught geography, um, you know, world history. I'm certified to teach uh, political science. Uh, if anything in social studies, uh, okay. I'm either certified to teach it or I've taught it at some point. I think that really helped me in the book because I, I don't really get focused on one thing, and, and kind of books like this, I think people, you know, they kind of they stick to all just one thing, like astronomy is a, is a big one. And I think what helped me was just, just going and you know looking at the whole picture and not just one area, um, and kind of keeping an open mind there.
2: So, are you still teaching now, or are you just focusing on writing?
3: No, I still teach. You know, I got I got to pay the bills, so that's that's what pays the bills. It's <laughs> not okay. uh, I'm not not ready to be a full time writer yet, uh, but uh, you know, if I teach. Uh, I teach on the high school level okay. in Illinois here.
2: So, um, with this with this book, how has it been received? Um, since you've published it uh it's still you know it i I just published it recently so i'm in the
3: process of kind of uh, promoting it right now and this is part of the process being on your show so i'm really uh, i'm really grateful that you (laughs) that you have me on here uh so so right now i'm just just kind of getting it out there and um I've sold a few copies. Uh, it's, it's hard because it seems like everyone has a book out right now right. I'm competing with a lot of different people on a lot of different topics. So it's really hard to get your message out. Uh, I do do some book signings and, um, I'm starting to find that people, it, it's, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but there are people who are really interested in it. Um, something that I, you know, I just thought that, you know, since since I'm an old white guy, I just thought, well, it's going to be old, you know, it's going to be old people that are interested in this. <laughs> and I'm starting to find out that uh, it's not just old men, it's women, too. Women are really interested in this, and it, it's, um, it's been interesting, this kind of kind of uh, meeting people and talking to people, and, and they're kind of interested, you know, they want to know more about, about, about these things, because we really don't know a lot about these topics, and we really don't have any, what I what I think is a really good answers up until when I started doing this research. And I hope to maybe, you know, get some clarification on that and kind of help people uh, see these topics in a
2: different way. What I find interesting, and you said this, that no one ever has really tackled this subject before and has gone in as in depth as you have with it, because you, you bring some interesting things to light. Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think of them until i started reading the book for example that we celebrate christmas at least one belief is is because um that is the birth the the birth of, of the nativity or the birth of christ the nativity scene but he was actually conceived during passover which is also the uh, same that- time as the 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 crucifixion and i'm thinking and the resurrection i'm going i never thought of that before that's actually a very interesting um, idea to throw out there to an audience uh,
3: that that kind of goes back to Augustine. Uh, okay. Augustine, Saint Augustine, was like around the you know he kind of lived uh, lived around four hundred. Uh, so so that's when you got to the four hundred. That that was his theory, and and I'm and I found some proof, and that's what I talk about uh, a lot. The earlier church fathers, and there's some actual you know proof that 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 they were actually worshiping uh, Christmas. You know, at, at Passover time.
4: Okay.
3: Uh, and that, that's kind of, I think I dedicate, to, you know, I dedicate a couple chapters to that. So so there is some some evidence that uh, that was going, you know, it, 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 and, and I talk about kind of the political um, history of, of how we got to that. Um, there was a lot that was going on in the 2nd and 3rd century between uh, Christians and Jews, and um, you had Roman emperors who were, uh, you know, persecuting everybody, so there was a lot of turmoil in that time period, and, you know, for different reasons, um, I, I think the church, the Christian church wanted to get away from uh, the Jewish religion as much as they can, could, right. and, and that was that was part of it, um, you know, worshiping uh, the nativity at Passover, I think they just kind of wanted to get, get, a, get away from that. And to uh, Constantine, uh, Emperor Constantine in the 300s, uh, he wanted to um, compete with pagan uh, pagan festivals at wintertime so it just kind of made sense for them to move it back so really what you got there is you've got the passover birth becoming the passover conception uh you know march 25th uh that the became the conception and then nine months later you know christmas was right. 25th
2: and i and i know if you ask someone in the united states in 2019 they'll say the only reason christmas is here is because it's five weeks from thanksgiving <laughs> because they don't, I mean, and because we have turned it into a, such a commercial holiday right now that we don't focus on what the true meaning of Christmas is. So I'm sure a lot of people think it was just put there because Thanksgiving in the United States happened to be in the last Thursday, of November, and then Christmas follows four to five weeks later. And it just happens right before, a week before New Year's too. Uh,
3: that's true, and, and really the pagan holiday was, was, a lot like Christmas, uh, they they would exchange gifts and and play kinds of play, play all kinds of games. That's why Constantine uh, had a hard time getting getting the Christian to give up that pagan ritual. Okay, um, he declared he declared that everyone become a Christian in the empire, but he was having a hard time getting them to kick that that holiday. <laughs> it was just so much fun and they like celebrating it. it. That's you know he, he had to figure out a way to compete with that, and that's where you get Christmas happening. Uh, the nativity happening in December.
2: So, what really got you interested in studying this?
3: Uh, that's an interesting story. Uh, it, it started out about this time of year uh, back in probably around two thousand and three, two thousand and four. Uh, I was watching a uh, an episode on television, and they had a uh, professor on there. His name was Michael Mulner, and he came up with a theory. That Jesus was born on April 17, 7 BC. Okay, and while I while I'm watching that, and it just so happened, this was one of those years where Easter was happening right about you know around that same time, and, and it got me thinking about that time. It's like, wow, that's that's almost same. <laughs> you know, I thought you know he's saying that Jesus was born april 17th and that's almost the same time as easter this this year which would so actually be really got me.
2: and tomorrow is april 17th so this program april, is kind, yeah, of time, so, kind of timely here
3: yeah so exactly so it was actually right right about the same time yeah. and uh, i thought well oh, that's interesting I, I gotta do some uh, research on that so i kind of uh kind of did some exploring on that topic and i found out that now, I wasn't the only one who thought about this. I, it was it was a real popular idea around the second century, okay. uh, with some of the church fathers, and that's really where I got going on that. And so, you know, I, I just kind of went from there on it. And I thought, okay, well, if you're going to do this, um, you got to find out. You know, you got to find out when you died. You start with death first because that's that's the easiest. You know, that's the easiest part to figure out, right? Uh, so can, can, can we do that? Can we figure out when Jesus died or kind of, you know, kind of, kind of get some dates there on that. And, you know, that, that part was easy. Uh, NASA has uh, some moon phases uh, for like, you know, going all the way back, uh, like 5,000 years in the future, uh, in the past and 5,000 years in the future. So, so we could figure out any full moon uh, for any month uh, in any year. Uh, you, you give me like five minutes in a, and a website, and I could tell you what it is. Okay, uh, so you could you could figure out, you know, if you know a little bit about Passover, you you have to I have to kind of explore that too because you know, I really didn't know a lot about Passover, and you know, I think most Christians really don't know a whole lot about Passover. Um, so, so I had to learn about that, and you know, kind of learn how the moon phases work, and kind of uh, when Passover could have happened, and if you. You know, if you can find that out, you just have to worry about the date, you know, the day of the weeks. So, it just so happens that the U.S. Navy has what they call a naval date converter. Now, what that is, you can type in any date, and, and once again, it's like the moon phase, and you can go all the way back into the B.C.s and, and all the way into the future. Okay. Um, if you want to find out what day of the week that day was, you just type in the date. And it'll come up and tell you, okay, this was a, you know, a Monday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, it tell you whatever, day you whatever date that was. So it's like, that, that could tell us, you know, because we know from the Gospels that Jesus was, you know, crucified on a Friday. Um, John kind of leads us to believe that it was a, that that was Passover. Uh, the Passover was the next day. Uh, I think Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of lead us to believe that it, that Passover happened the night before the Last Supper was a Passover, so there's kind of kind of a little bit of difference between the two. Okay, but it's not going to make a lot of a difference there on on, on that. So anyway, so so anyways, you got you know you you got the days of the weeks and you got the moon phases, so we can kind of figure out about you know about what year Jesus was crucified in. Uh, and the two best choices for that are 30 and 33 AD, and most historians kind of agree on that. Uh, it seems like historians like thirty better, and kind of theologians like thirty-three a little bit better. Okay, uh, I tend to like thirty better. Um, I don't want to get into that right now, but uh, um, but I like thirty. So, anyways, and these two, you know, these two Passovers were about the same, about the same time. Uh, I think the one in thirty was uh, April sixth, and the one in thirty-three was April third. So, okay. so you know that. So we kind of kind of know. You know, going by those two dates, kind of know when Jesus was crucified. Okay, and it's like, okay, well, this is this will be real easy. <laughs> I just got to find something, you know, some some sort of uh, evidence that Jesus was born, you know, on April sixth or April third, some some time around there. And I thought, well, that shouldn't be too hard. So I started looking at some of these uh, theories, and the Star of Bethlehem seems like, you know, that's really really the best place to start right. to find if you're going to find out when Jesus was born. And it was a complete. A complete disaster. <laughs> it really <laughs> was. It was. It was. It was very frustrating, and I was looking at a lot of different theories and a lot of different Star of Bethlehem possibilities. And, and of course, uh, Molner's theory—the one that got me started in the first place—that I really liked. Right. You know, that was like about a week. That was like about a week too late. Um, and, and that's kind of where I just kind of. That was kind of one of the, the the walls in it, where it's just kind of like uh, just kind of like doing other things. I was like, okay, I let to sit sit for about six months and then go back, you know, and just kind of, you know, I might give it up, but I don't know. But uh, so, so I went back eventually, and I, I never could really find anything that was going uh, going in that April, you know, that April time frame. And and I just, you know, one, one day I'm just like kind of sitting around Googling stuff, and I'm, I'm Googling what's, what they call the integral the existence. That's where Jesus was born and died on the same you know, same day. That's what right. they call that. Uh, so I was doing on that, and, and I came up with this verse from, from the Talmud. Now, this is kind of another thing I didn't really know a whole lot about. I didn't know what the Talmud was, actually. Uh, and I think it kind of confuses Christians. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of Christians who, who, who kind of stay away from it uh, for different reasons. Uh, but there's a verse in the Talmud that says... Uh, it actually says and if it's uh, if you got the book there handy it's on um, page 14 but it says uh, in the sign the world was created and in the same month the patriarchs were born and the sign they also died okay all right so the sign the sign is the month of Passover. and that kind of uh, it, it kind of hit me over the head I'm like you know I, I I'm I'm using this I'm using a uh, Gregorian calendar I'm using our calendar and this verse is saying, in the sign, which is part of the Jewish, you know, and the sign is a Jewish month. It's a Jewish calendar, and it's like that just kind of changed the whole perspective. It's like, okay, now we're now we're dealing with we're just Passovers, and we are dealing with uh, Gregorian, you know, Julian dates. So that made a lot of difference,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and it kind of it, it kind of really opened things up. Um, the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar, and our calendar obviously is a solar calendar. So if you go by the lunar calendar, things things really start to change. Okay, um, and that that's how we get the that, that's how we get the differences in in the Easter dates. You know, sometimes Easter is in, in March, sometimes it's in April. Um, this this Easter was a real interesting one. Uh, usually, Passover is the first full moon after the spring equinox. That's how we can kind of tell when it is. Okay but it's a little bit like a, it's a little bit like a leap year. Sometimes they happen to move back to the second uh, full moon, which is what happened this year. If you remember this year, we had the, uh, what they called the, uh, what they call it. The, the super warm <laughs> full moon, you know, and the, the blood super moon, the warm moon. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. What so and that, yeah. So that, that happened right at the spring equinox. It was like we had, you know, March 20th. And then we had that super warm moon going on at the same time. Uh, in some years, you know that that would have been Passover, but okay. this year was just one of those years where they moved it back because they want to keep the, you know, they want to keep the Jewish the Jewish months. They wanted to keep them, you know, going on in the same time of year. They didn't want to be planting. You know, Nisan is supposed to be the month you plant, and they didn't really want that happening. You know, they kind of left it left it go, it, it would eventually get to the point where you're you know, you're planning uh, earlier and earlier every year. So we right. wanted to keep that same.
2: So my question for uh, you is, who are they that they don't want this to happen? Uh, the Jewish people. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> uh, it's, it's the Jewish people. The Jewish, you know, their 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 calendar is lunar, and okay. it's, it's just always been that way, and they've always, you know, they they have to keep it on us. You know, they, they want to keep it the months going on at the same time, you know, same time of the year. Okay. Um, does that make sense? It's, yeah. it's like you're looking at two different clocks, and one clock is moving faster than another one, and right. you're trying to <laughs> trying to sync them up eventually. So so every once in a while, they have to throw in an extra month okay. um, to keep it going. Because I, th-
2: I think a lot of it, people it, are confused why <laughs> Easter doesn't fall on the same day every year, why we're able to have that. it in March, why we're able to have it in April. And Again, with your book, even just that small portion of it, it clar- clarifies it just a little bit more.
3: Yeah, and it took me. I mean, that's why it took me so long to write this book because I had to figure this stuff out. <laughs> uh, I, I think the book is, you know, the book is pretty condensed, and it, you know, you can kind of read the book and it kind of, you know, you can kind of, you can make some sense out of it. But it took me a long time to kind of get this stuff down. It was like, wait a minute, here we're dealing with, you know, we're dealing with, uh, you know, the Jewish calendar is totally different than than our. You know, in our calendar, it's not the same. We're we're a solar, and they're they're a lunar. Uh, but but it does work. You know, it does work. Uh, the other thing too is, you get into uh, Christians uh, in the second or third century, they they really wanted to get away from Jewish r- religion as much as possible, and okay. they want to have a separate religion. So so they they really just wanted to to you know keep keep it on the the Friday. You know, to celebrating Easter on friday saturday sunday right uh, some you know sunday's passover you know i think this year is a pretty unique year it's actually passover's falling on a on a friday so it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of fitting together so we're christians and jews are celebrating uh, at the same time okay. but most of the time it doesn't right uh, sometimes passover starts on a monday sometimes it starts on a wednesday it just depends on the year uh, right. when the full moon is uh the one thing about passover is it they, they keep it on the full moon okay Uh, that goes
2: back to, that goes back to, uh, uh, goes back to the first Passover. Now, how much, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish. No, I lost my, go ahead. So how much, uh, how much was the political landscape at the time? How much did that affect when certain dates were actually being predicted or when they were saying this is when things were happening? Were there there are certain religious leaders or politicians at the time saying no? This is when it's going to happen, or are they trying to force uh, their own will, or how did that work?
3: For Passover, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, they uh, the seven day week is uh, probably the oldest continuous religious, you know, one of the oldest continuous religious ceremonies. That, you know, it's never changed as far as I know. Right. Uh, that's one of the things that I had to research in the book. You know, it's like when I'm when I'm looking at these. These weeks, and trying to figure out when, you know, you know when is, is there a Passover when Jesus would have been crucified on a Friday and rose on a on, on the third day, which would have been a Sunday. I had to go back and look and see, you know, what days these full moons were falling on, and and I, I so I was looking at, at events in history and, and kind of looking at you know where, where someone wrote about something and, and kind of said that you know this date was a Sunday, uh, we celebrated math on this date the Sunday. And I got it all the way back to like I think the, the oldest one I got was like three seventy. So that's that's going back pretty far, and as far as I can tell, that that's never changed. And, and I kind of think that it was it was you know intact at least through the time of Jesus, and I can't really see why anybody would have changed that seven week date. Okay, you know, it's just it's always been continuous, so that's that's pretty consistent, uh, and. You know, like like I said earlier, the Passover is always on the full moon. Sometimes it's the first full moon. Most of the time it's the first full moon after the spring. I, well, that's always the same. And, you know, if somebody was changing those things, it, it would have been difficult for me to do this research. I don't think he could have done it. Okay. But, you know, that's, you know, you start changing that stuff and you're, you're going against, uh, you know, you're going against uh, the Bible and everything. Right. Uh, the other thing about Passover is, Passover is, is, Traditionally, the first Passover was was supposed to start exactly with the spring equinox. Now we know that doesn't happen very often, right? Uh, but sometimes, sometimes it does. Uh, the year that I think that Jesus was born in, uh, the Passover was like uh, like real close to the spring equinox. Like it was only like a day off. Um, so it's really close to the first one. So that's really, I mean, so that's that's how I got interested in trying okay. to find it. And, and once, once I realized that I could do that and, and I could find a date, you know, a date for the crucifixion, uh, I started looking at, you know, star Bethlehem candidates and the, the first ones that I was really looking at, I was looking at conjunctions, a lot and oscillations. Those are kind of when, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get too technical here because this is radio. <laughs> you don't want, to, don't want to frighten your uh, your <laughs> listeners off, but uh, it's uh, it, it's basically when things line up. So the conjunction is like when two planets line up, and a lot of times these star Bethlehem theories um, they kind of have something to do with uh, you know two two things lining up in in uh, the constellation of Virgo okay. or something like that. Um, so that's really what I, I I really started looking at those hard. And and I started to get concerned over over constellations and oscillations. Oscillation is when something passes in front of the moon. And I really wasn't liking those, uh, because there really wasn't a I really wanted to have a, a Bible verse that kinda gave us gave a date on something okay. and that's kinda like, like why I like that verse from the Talmud so much, because it's basically saying that uh, Jewish patriarchs were born and died. In uh, Nisan, the the month of the And, you know, that would, I, I would, it makes sense to me that that would mean Jesus, too. We know he died in the We know that part to be true. Uh, so it kind of made sense that uh, he'd be born in that month, too. So I really like that verse. And it's pretty, you know, it's pretty cut and dry. You know, I don't think you can really interpret it a different way.
2: And that was what uh, I was going to was... And I was going to ask you that because I did, and if, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I believe reading that there was a belief that. Jesus was born during Passover, and being born during Passover and also died during Passover, then that's why the two dates would be somewhat close to each other.
3: Yeah, and that's where we get the, we call that the integral, you know, the integral existence. It's it's a mathematical term, and it's like, you know, kind of perfection, Um, and it just kind of made sense to me that, you know, if if Jesus was the Christ, you know, it you know, why would God not, <laughs> you know, I, I think kind of, I think kind of differently sometimes. I mean, maybe I have too much time on my hands, okay. to think about these things, but that just kind of made sense to me. It's like, okay, God, God created Jesus. Why would he just, you know, why would Jesus just be born on any random day? So that kind of made sense to me. So I wanted a real verse on it, and that one kind of made sense. The thing with the configurations in the Oscillation series is a lot of time they, they pull something out of uh, Isaiah or Revelation. Okay. Um which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Revelation happened after <laughs> after Jesus was born, and, and yet some of them still use Revelation as. And, and I mean, anybody that can interpret Revelation, I, I just say good luck with that because I, I don't even try that. It's like I, you know, how how can you pull anything out of that? Okay. Out, of, out of that, so a lot of times they use verses that are really that can really be interpreted different ways. I didn't like that on some of these theories. Um. Molnar did that. Uh, there's another guy that has a real popular theory called Rick Larson. He had a video that came out about 10 years ago, and it's really popular, and uh, he kind of does the same thing with this. So, so they're using verses that really are kind of cryptic. And the other thing that I didn't like about them is being a real, you know, being a historian, there really is no primary sources on these. Uh, I, I love primary sources. Right? I'm, I'm a historian. I gotta, you know, I want to see the ancient people talking about this. And it doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be the Jews. It doesn't right. have to be. You know, I just want to see somebody talking about it. And there are no primary sources on this. And if if there are, you know, someone needs to get, to get a hold of me and let me know so I can, you know, make a note of it. Uh, so I really can't find any primary sources on, on these theories. And and the astrology that they use in these in these theories are it, it's not what the magi would have practiced. Um, the magi use different things that we will never when they imagine I did a horoscope it wasn't for you know I can't find any horoscopes for people that weren't born yet they were always done for you know kings born, people that were you know that were being about to be born it wasn't like for someone unknown okay uh, if I could just find if I could find some horoscopes you and you know it's, it's it's a lot of these horoscopes are, are written on clay and, and they're still you know they're still laying around in the desert and and so we, we can find them. And I, and I never, I haven't found one yet. that I haven't seen an example of one that says, you know, that anything like what these series are, are claiming to be. Okay. So so that got me concerned on that. And that was probably another, you know, another period where I got frustrated and kind of let things sit down, you know, sit for a little bit. Uh, and then I came back and I started looking at uh, this comet that I talk about in the book, which I believe was the Star of Bethlehem. Um, that's the Chinese comet of, of, March five BC, uh, and there's several reasons why I really like this. this is, and, and I'm not the one who discovered this. I, it wasn't like I just you know I went over to China and kind of was digging through records. You <laughs> know, no, a lot of this stuff has been done before me. Right. And and this was really popular in the in the late 70s. There was some some scholars that wrote papers on it, and it. You know, I've talked to people and and kind of asked them. You know, what do you think the star of Bethlehem was? And some of them say a comet based on that. Uh, so, it, so it was popular a few years ago, and then some of these other theories, I think, kind of came along and got a little bit more. You know, there was newer and, and you know they were kind of these were just old scholarly papers, and, and these new new theories were were done in like videos, okay. and these people kind of <laughs> kind of gravitated to it and like the you know like the music and the graphics and everything. So right. so so really, this 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 comet was popular at one time. Um, so I'm kind of bringing it back is what I'm doing here. Uh, so, so why I like this comment was the Chinese were the one who spotted it. So so we know that the Chinese had no reason to make this up. Uh, you can't really you can't really trust uh, the Romans or you know the Roman Christians later um, because they you know they altered they they, they did it they altered uh, some some writings a little bit to kind of fit into their doctrine. Right. right. Uh, the Chinese had no reason to do that. You know they pretty much said you know in in March of five B.C.
2: We saw there this. was a
3: broom yeah. comet. We saw it. They wrote it down, and that's that's really that's what it. they said about it. They called it a broom comet. Okay, um, so that's that's what we know that the Chinese spot is. So I have a primary source there. Well, the other interesting thing about that is it's in March of five BC, which is really you know that's really fitting in with that verse because Passover right in March five BC was March twenty third, and that's the time that. Chinese said that the comet was in the sky.
2: Okay, and that so, and that, and that so makes that, sense.
3: Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. there.
2: I know that makes sense. That really does because that makes sense. yeah. yeah. That made a lot of sense to me.
3: <laughs> and it's like, it's like it's like it's like really, man. That's 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 kind of interesting. You got the Chinese who who aren't going to lie about this. They saw it. The Babylonians would have seen it. If the Chinese right. saw it, the Babylonians would have seen it. Uh, I don't know about the Jews. I know the Jews really weren't astronomers or okay. astrologers, either one, they, they they kept track of the moon, and that was about it. Okay. Um, and really, when you go back to even, like, like before Jesus, you know, eventually they got to the point where they figured out when the moon phases were, and they wrote them down, and they had, you know, they kind of knew when Passover was going to be before it happened. But they used to just, you know, the shepherds used to just come and say, you know, it's a new moon. Uh, the 15th of the month is going to be in 15 days. Right. And then that's, so that's kind of how they went on Passover. Uh, originally, but you know, eventually they started to get. They wanted to get things written down so they could, you know, when the Jews started to get spread around, they wanted everyone celebrating Passover on the same day. The ones in Israel, the ones in Babylonian, are you know all over the place. Uh, so eventually they got they got their they got that together. But but you know, so so I don't know. You know, the Jews probably didn't care too much about the comment. Maybe they did. Uh, if, I guess it just depends on on how how you know. We don't know what the comet looked like. Um, I'm assuming that the comet was, was somehow pointing towards Israel, or if the Magi saw it. Uh, I think the Magi were probably from Parthia, which, is, which was Persia at that time. They were okay. the rulers of Persia. And that's tradition. Um, one of the Church Fathers actually talked about that uh, the, the, in the second century, um, Julius Africanus, he talked about it, the, the, the Magi coming from Persia. So I think they kind of came. I think they had to come from from Persia. And they were Parthians. Parthians were the ones who were the ruling family at that time. Okay. Uh, so so, and this is where it gets a little bit complicated. But the Magi were originally from Babylonian, and when the rulers of Parthia came along, the Magi were probably you know instructing them and, and kind of advising them on things. Uh, I tend to think the Magi might have been a little bit overrated.
2: uh, I I was going to ask you that, because (laughs) I've I've heard different stories about that, too. And by the way, everyone, you're listening to Online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV. Right now we're talking with Robert William Weber, and his book is The Essence of Perfection. Now, the Magi, as you said, overrated, because, again, making that trip, or was it just coincidental they saw it and said, hey, we're going, because they wanted to know what was at the end of the light?
3: Uh, I think, you know, in the in the book, I've kind of come up with some, some interesting theories on that. Um, this, this comet that the Chinese spotted, they say that the, the comet was seen in the constellation of Aquila, which is in the Zodiac of Capricorn. Okay. All right, so your listeners are probably saying, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> All right, uh, uh, the quilla is, a, is the eagle. That's that's Latin for eagle. So it's a constellation that looks like an eagle, and it's, it's in the zodiac of Capricorn. There's 12 zodiacs, and it's, it's a constellation. So there's more constellations than there are right. zodiacs. Uh, one thing that kind of told me that the Magi might have been interested in this comet for you know they had to have a reason to follow it you know you don't just take off like you said they don't just you know don't take off and follow a comet so I guess go fight, you know let's go chase that thing down um, there had to be something that kind of told them this might be important this right. might be be an important sign well the emperor at the time that was Augustus and Augustus loved comets <laughs> uh, that was his that was his thing he put comets on the back of his coins. Um, he was a Capricorn. He put Capricorn on the back of his coin. This was like his, this would be his Facebook of the day. Okay. You know, your, your coins were your coins were were you. I mean, you had your, your picture on the front, and you had something important on the back. Uh, the Magi probably would have known this if they knew anything about Augustus, and they were, you know, if they were, were any type of scholarly ambassadors, which I think they were kind of more ambassadors than they were astrologers, but they would have known that Augustus, was uh, fond of comets, and they would have known that he was a Capricorn because he liked to advertise that a lot. Right, uh, and it just so happens that this comet was <laughs> seen seen in the zodiac of Capricorn, and it just so happens that the, the eagle was a was a, a sign of the Roman Empire. Uh, when the Roman armies went into battle, they always had their banner. They always had eagles on their banner, and if the eagle got captured, that was a you know, that was like the flag being lost. It was a great dishonor. So, I, I think that might have told the the magic. Hey, something's going on here. Uh, this comet is is meaning something. Augustus actually justified his reign off of a comet. Uh, when his uncle Julius Caesar was assassinated, uh, if you if you remember the to you know the whole thing with Shakespeare and the toga and the blood and right. all that. Um, he was he was the, one of the heirs along with Mark mm-hmm. Uh but he needed something to justify him living up to his uncle, you know, his uncle is Julius Caesar. And it's like, it's, it's hard to live up to Julius Caesar. Right. Uh, the, the guy who conquered Gaul, you know, it's kind of hard to do that. So he needed something to really justify him. So a lot of times what they did was they had Olympic games and he had these Olympic games. that he still happened to honor the Venus during the Olympic games. A kind showed up and this was like, uh, like 44 you know, sometime shortly after Caesar's—I uh, can't remember the exact date—but it's shortly after Caesar was assassinated. So it was long before Jesus was born.
4: Okay.
3: So, anyways, Augustus Augustus justified his reign. Uh, he said, "You know, Venus sent this comet. Uh, that's that's justifying my reign, and that proves that I deserve to be, you know, emperor." Well, if the Magi knew anything about Julius, knew anything about Augustus Caesar they probably knew that this comet may have been something important and it might've been for an important person.
4: Okay. And if it
3: was pointing towards, if it was pointing towards Israel, it might've meant that something was going on in, in Israel at the time, Judea at the time. So I think that kind of got them going and kind of interested. It's like, Hey, if someone, if a new King is being born, we need to go worship him. The other thing about Parthia was that they were deadly rivals with the Romans. Um, I always kind of grew up thinking that the you know the Romans were the Romans. They they ruled everything. Right. Well, they they didn't really. <laughs> they they were they would have loved to take over Persia. Uh, they would have loved to recreate Alexander the Great's empire. Uh, so they were rivals with the Parthians, and the Parthians would have loved to have taken over Israel, and they did it one time. Uh, Herod actually owed his rule to the Romans. That's how the Romans got involved in in Judea. Um, so. Both were fighting over Judea, Parthia and Rome. Both of those empires wanted that to be kind of like a buffer zone.
2: So in a lot uh, of ways, the, other one. the Magi were going into hostile territory, so there must have been a reason for them to go if they wanted to risk everything.
3: And and, and you know what, Bill? You know what? <laughs> uh, it actually says in Matthew 2 that when the Magi showed up, Herod was was upset, and all of Jerusalem was upset. Mm-hmm. So there had to be some things there that was upsetting the people. They were they were they were worried when the Magi showed up at first, and you know obviously, you know it'd be like uh, you know it'd be like Russian ambassadors coming during the height of the Cold War, something like right. that. Right. Yeah. So so people were really on edge there when they showed up, and it just so happened. You know, we're talking about this this comet. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there's more that <laughs> was happening in the sky when this comet showed up. Um, you had the Passover full moon, and you also had a total a total eclipse. This was March twenty third. Um, start of Passover was a total eclipse, and that's the one thing that would have that, that's the one thing that scared everyone was a lunar eclipse. Um, the Talmud, said, you know, another thing from the Talmud says that you know a, a lunar eclipse is bad for Israel, a solar eclipse is bad for the world. Okay, so. That might have, you know, that was probably upsetting some people too. You had a, a and this is, you know, this you can't make this up because it's, it's NASA, right? Yeah, <laughs> this is NASA thing. You look it up and it says there was a there was a total eclipse uh, on on the full moon, and it, there's more to it than that. <laughs> the year before that, the Passover full moon. Was a partial lunar eclipse. Okay, and then the year before that, the the Passover moon was a pre pre-numbral, prenumbral eclipse, which is kind of like a shadow. It's almost like an eclipse, but it's not quite getting there. And you might see kind of like a little corner of it getting okay. the eclipse of the okay. moon, but the moon gets kind of dark. But that that happened. That would have been visible more kind of towards India, kind of maybe away from Jerusalem. The Magi might have seen it or might have been aware of it. I don't think the Jews were aware of it. So, so really, you have three Passover moons that are kind of increasing. You know, you're going from from a shadow, light shadow, to a, a partial eclipse, to a total eclipse in five B.C. The same thing, the same time, the comet is in the air. So, so, so Mike, I Mike. think all these events. So. I think all these events kind of kind of. Tied it <laughs> so
2: my question is, and and not that I've thought of this before, but the Magi, how far did they travel to get there uh, for that for for yeah. the for the birth or just after the birth? Because it wouldn't have just happened like hop in a, hop in a car and drive two hundred miles down the road. They were traveling for a long period of time.
3: Uh, if, if they if they left right away. Um... If they were coming from Persia, it would have been about three months if they okay. would have left and, and, and really really were making good time. Uh, they might have been traveling. You know, you, you always see the, the nativity scene there on camel. They might have been on horses. We don't really Right, know. exactly. Uh, so so they might have been traveling a little bit faster than than on camel. But, you know, if they were coming from Babylonia, it would have been maybe a month and a half. If they were coming from Persia, you might, you'd double that distance. Okay. Which... Would be kind of it would kind of fit with the Chinese. though the Chinese said the comet was in the sky for, for seven days.
2: Okay. Well that would uh, make the sense then. The, okay.
3: Yeah, and well the thing about the Chinese too is uh you know, when you get into June you're getting into monsoon weather in yes. China. So it, it might have been in the sky longer than you know, they just said seventy days, so it might have been longer. Okay. Uh it just maybe they didn't see it very well after, you know, after the rain started. Uh, maybe the you know the Magi are kind of more in in a you know a desert area, so
2: that it was a clear probably a, a little
3: bit clearer. Okay. Yeah, it might have been a little bit clearer for them.
2: Because um, again, that, so that, that 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 makes a lot of sense. Because I don't think unless you're reading about it or talking about it, you don't think about these things. Because we have been told the stories and we've seen the, the nativities and everything else, and a lot of people I think just assume that happened immediately after the uh, after the birth, but if you look at it and look at the reality of things, it would have had to take longer than what it, what we assume that it took to get from point A to point B, because the mode of transportation was not the same as we're dealing with today.
3: Well, too, I think, I think Matthew tells us that, you know, they saw the star and that was kind of the signal of his birth. So that's what they, they thought Mm -hmm. he was, you know, they thought that he was born when the, when the star showed up. Okay. So, so that would have, you know, and, and, of course, when they when they got to Herod, Herod was totally—you know—he didn't know anything about Jesus being born, and, and he, he got all his all of his uh, scholars together, and, and that's another interesting thing. His, his scholars were teachers of the law, which they would have known about the Talmud. The Talmud wasn't written at that time; the Talmud was was oral. It was an oral law, um, so it wasn't written. But they would have known about it, um, and they would have known about that tradition of the prophets being born in. Uh, the patriarchs being born in the sun and dying in the sun. So that might have, that, that. I think that too might have told them that something was going on at that time. They would have known that. Okay. Um, so so that's when they told the Magi, you know, to go to Bethlehem because that's where tradition was that Jesus was being born. Okay. And, and of course, we know too that the Magi, that's why I said that I think the Magi were a little bit overrated because they we know they lost track of the star for a while. And then they, they showed, they went to Bethlehem and then, then the star showed up again. And, and they were, you know, of course they were overwhelmed with that. You know, it's very joyful that they saw the star. Uh, it also kind of tells me that it, it probably wasn't a conjunction or an oscillation because I don't know how you lose track of something that is mechanical like that. It's right. Just, you know, if you know anything about, about conjunctions is it's, it's, two objects coming together, and if you know what the objects are, and you know they're coming together, I don't know how you lose track of it. Uh, That's that just was another thing that bothered me about conjunctions. Um, the comment just, just really made sense. And, too, it's, it's, like I said before, it's the only primary source. I don't know how you can argue with that. So, um, so I really think that, you know, when you get down to it, I really think that, that Jesus was born sometime in that month of the just like
2: the comment said. Okay. So... With, with And, and I, I know we're focusing on the Magi a lot here, but the story, mm-hmm. I've heard a story that there was actually a fourth one that got lost on the way and actually arrived the day of the crucifixion, which, um, again, would be interesting because he'd been traveling in the desert for 30-some years <laughs> to get to that point. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that you could talk about um, between that about the original three, and then this fourth one, was the fourth one actually even a Magi or just claimed that he was, and, and, and the whole thing. So there's a lot going on with that too. The other thing is that uh, um, uh, after re- reading the book and looking at, at what I've read so far, church fathers, when they were looking at this, did they worry about dates, or were they just trying to use the dates to fit their theology that they were preaching?
3: That that's kind of an interesting <laughs> question. It depended a lot on the church father. Uh the one that I the one that I like a lot is, is Saint August is Saint um he used to be a Saint Saint Clement of Alexandria. He he's really the first one that that, that we know of um that, that broke stuff down kind of in, in order like that. And and he was really into Greek philosophy. And I think he struggled with that a lot being a Christian, um he had to prove that that you know Jewish philosophy was older than Greek philosophy, so that's really where he did the dating. And he he went all the way back to Adam, and he came up with a lot of uh, you know he dated a lot of different events all the way up to Jesus. And one of the things that he told in his writings was that the Gnostics, which were kind of like a, they're a little bit of a Christian sect, um, and that's maybe where that. Magi came from, you know, that might have been a Gnostic teaching. Okay. Um, so they might have, you know, so they were worshiping, you know, Clement tells us all the dates that they were worshiping for the Nativity and all the, you know, the dates that they were worshiping for the Passion. And it just so happens the two of them matched up, and that's where we get the, that's really the first the first Christian signs of, of an interior existence. Um, course, we, we've got the problem that, that kind of suggests it, but this is the really first Christian, you know, Christian scripture or Christian writing that suggests that Jesus was born and died on the same day, um, which would have been Passover. Uh, they, March 25th comes up a lot because that's the, the spring equinox, Okay, and I know some of your, some of your viewers are probably... Saying, well, that's not the equinox. The equinox is the twentieth. <laughs> right. it's the twentieth. Well, it's back. You know, that, that's the Jewish equinox. And okay. once again, that's just like that's that's just like you know, it, it's it's like their their calendar. It had to be. It was awful a little. You know, it was a little bit different. Uh, twenty the twenty fifth of the month was the was their equinox. So so really, what the tradition is was that Jesus was born in Passover on on this equinox day, which gets kind of scary because you look at the Passover of IBC and the 23rd was a full moon. That would have been the start of Passover. Mm -hmm. 25th would have been the Jewish equinox. And that was the third day of Passover. Right. So, so you see it (laughs) and, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not making this stuff up. It's just, it's it's all, you know, it's all verified by the U S Navy and NASA. So it's, it's, there and it's, it's really interesting, but you know, I guess it's still a matter of faith whether or not you believe it or not. But you know, it, it just kind of the more I do this, it's just kind of stuff just kind of comes together like that. It's really kind of uh, scary at times, I don't know, um, f- fulfilling at times. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain.
2: What I what I want to ask you is because of the technolo- technological age we're living in right now, and you've been writing this, wrote this book for fourteen years. Do you think if you would have tried writing this book twenty twenty five years ago, you would have had the same success that you did in researching it now?
3: Uh, I don't, okay. because a lot of what I did was a lot of what I did was uh, it started out by internet searches. Uh, there's there's so many so many people that that, that came before me that I have okay. to thank for this. Uh, it just, you know, a lot of, a lot of my ideals came from the internet. Uh, some of it came from, uh, uh, from some of the books that I read. Uh, I had the fortune of, you know, I, I was writing this book when I was getting my teaching degree. So I was doing my undergraduate work, um, at Illinois State University, okay. Illinois State University has, has a, an awesome library, <laughs> okay. they have five floors of books and they cover, you know, so, so they, they were really good if I needed a, a book about anything. They had it there, um, and also I was, you know, able to pull some stuff off, some articles off, uh, um, you know, through online websites because I had, you know, because I was going to school and I had that kind of uh, uh, that was part of the, you know, paying for it. So, so that really helped a lot too. I don't think I could, you know, no, I don't, just couldn't have written it twenty-five years ago. If, if I did it, it would have taken twice as long. I'd okay. still be writing the book. So. So hopefully
2: that answers your question Well, it it does because a lot of the stuff, like you said, you you took other people's work and you built from it. So, again, you collaborated with a lot of people, even though they don't realize that you collaborated with them because you took their idea and then found a way to tie it to somebody else's because they didn't have the technology to be able to do that. And I think that's kind of amazing that you actually stuck with it for as long as you did because, like you said, there were periods of time where you just shelved it Got frustrated with it, and then all of a sudden you came back and going, okay, maybe let's look at it this way. Maybe I can get a, de- a better, uh, a better insight of what's happening here.
3: Oh, uh, that's well. Thanks for the compliment. That's uh, that, that's a, that's a great compliment. Uh, but you know, yeah, I mean, that's that's really what it was. I mean, I, I really needed. I, I think too, just kind of letting it sit, and then coming back and kind of taking a fresh approach. I think that helped too at times because. You know, in in the writing of this, I, I also saw how, you know, some of the mistakes that the church, you know, the, right. the the people in the second century. I saw, you know, I, I, I could look at what they did, and, and I could see where they went wrong. Mm-hmm.
4: You
3: know, they were they were looking at uh, the they were looking at their calendar, the Gregorian calendar. They weren't looking at uh, the Jewish calendar. I could see where where things got off and and went wrong. Um, and I, the only reason why I could do that was because I I struggled that way, and I made the same mistake <laughs> in the beginning. I mean, the first uh, if I, if I would have if if I would have uh, finished this book after the first five years, it would have been a train wreck. Okay. Um, but but the historian and the, you know, I was trained as a historian, and I was told you you don't do that. You get your facts, you find the primary sources, you got to be real careful because you're going to get, you know, right. If if you do something wrong, you're going to get. Called out on it eventually, so so really it it took it took a little bit of courage to actually publish this book because you know now it's out there and, and people can can start looking at what I've written and maybe they'll find errors maybe they'll they'll, they'll build on what I, I not I mean I don't know what's going to happen in the future with this right um, but that's kind of what I wanted I wanted something for people to to I wanted something for people to have who are interested in this and. I didn't have to go through the same struggles that I went through. Right. It was yeah, we'll pretty it. frustrating at that. Extremely frustrating at that. Well, and, and I think, you know, I'm just getting to the point, you know, there still might be a few, two things I'd like to polish up on it, but okay. I, th- I think it's almost to the point where, where I like it and you kind of, kind of live with it.
2: Well, it's hard to believe we've been talking for almost an hour now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's been a pleasure. I mean, yeah, this, this, this has been fun for me too. Uh, the book. I just kind of want people to know about the book a little bit, where they can get it. Please do. Uh, it's available. It's available on Amazon, and it lists for. I think it lists for on Amazon for fifteen ninety nine. But right now, Amazon has it on sale, and the last time I checked, it was like nine. It was down to nine bucks. Maybe oh, okay. having an Easter. Maybe they're having an Easter sale or something, and I don't know how long that'll last. Uh, yeah, like I'm looking at it right now, it's, it's nine nineteen on Amazon. So it's 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 a good price right now. And I'll put a um, link
2: to it on my uh, on my website so people can find it easy.
3: Yeah, I mean it's 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 not that hard to find. Um, I, I have a blog and sometimes I blog about some of the stuff. Okay. It's, uh, it's at Saint Gene Press. Uh, that's G V N E Press P R E S S. And sometimes I blog about it, and I have all the links to, to where they can get it. I think they can get it through Barnes and Noble too. Okay. Um, those are two. You know, those are probably the best right. ways to get it. Uh, I'm sure that, I'm sure that if they have a particular bookseller that they like, they could, you know, get it through there. Um, might be a little bit cost a little bit more, but uh, you know, you got. I, I think too, you need to support your local bookstore. Sometimes. Oh, and I,
2: I agree with that too. Um, before before I let you go, are you planning on writing anything else?
3: Uh, write. It's it's interesting. I, I don't really consider myself a, a Bible historian, or okay. a or a, uh, a or a, you know I'm more of an American history uh, uh, expert, I guess. So and I, I taught on the Navajo Reservation for seven years, and, and I'm really into to kind of Native American uh, culture and 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 so if I if my next book will probably be some sort of Native American thing, just because I. I think I need a break from, from oh, okay, the... <laughs> so so it'll probably be some, something along those lines, some kind of Native American. Probably in the future, you know. Probably in the future, I might, you know, if I get the time, I might do another book that kind of deals with deals with a topic like this. Uh, maybe there might be something else, but uh, the next book will probably be Native American. Well, some some sort of Native American.
2: Whenever you write it, please let us know, and I'll have you back on the program. We'll talk about it. And don't be surprised if I call you around Christmas this year and have you come back and talk about this one, because there's a lot more we could go into that we didn't have time to discuss tonight.
3: Uh, that, that is true. Uh, the book, uh, for your for your viewers, the book is very condensed, and it's 326 pages, and it's, it's really condensed. Uh, you're going to be, if you, if you read it, you're going to hit over the head pretty hard if you read it like in a weekend. <laughs> right. So it'll make you think. And, and you'll never, uh, I I, ne- I don't look at a, a full moon. The,
2: the same, same way again. I mean,
3: you know, especially when it's a, when it's like a super, like a super moon, like we right. had just last time around. Yeah.
2: So Robert, I appreciate you taking the time tonight. Again, it's uh, a very interesting book. And if for anybody that wants to, uh, to uh, purchase it again, available on Amazon, and it is the essence of perfection. Again, by Robert William Weber. Robert, thank you very much, and you have a great night.
3: Uh, thanks, Bill, and uh, I'll look forward to being uh, on your show again. Sounds if it
2: happens. Sounds great. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you next time. You bet. Okay. Bye bye. Robert William Weber. The Essence of Perfection, the Historical Quest to Find Genuine Dates of Christmas and the Resurrection. Again, very interesting read. Now, I didn't make it all the way through yet. I got through most of it. But again, very interesting And it makes you think, especially around Easter time. So it might be something to get real quick through Amazon because you have Amazon Prime and you can get it for their Easter basket, right? Anyway, that's going to wrap up another show tonight. We'll be back in next week sometime. We'll let you know when online. All you have to do is go to the website online with BillAlexander.com and don't forget to listen to me on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV Channel 77. Well, it's time to wrap up another show here live Recorded live in the Phil Eddy Motors studios here in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. Guys, you have a great time, great night, great day. We'll talk to you next time. Here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander.
0: Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.